This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Just a note, check out lots of AMI content over there at amiplus.ca. You can find so much programming available to you. That'll keep you busy for several days running. AMI Plus, check it out now. It's available to you wherever you are. You can enjoy it, and we appreciate it. And, of course, they appreciate the feedback that you might have on AMI Plus. Kelly McDonald here. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan over there at the studio in Toronto. All right, without any further ado, let's continue talking AI. We get to our app update on Fridays with John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramia, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. Okay, John, before we get to AI, there's some other things we need to cover. I was just going to say, John, wasn't that beautiful how she just misguides the audience? Yeah, uh, we'll get to we'll it, though. Don't worry. I know everyone's yeah, eagerly anticipating AI talk. Uh, every day, there's at least one segment. But um, first of all, let's talk about threads. So you can now delete your threads profile without nuking your Instagram account. Um, remind us how things were related in this context. So a lot of people were reluctant to join threads when they unveiled it because it's directly attached to your Instagram profile. Mm -hmm. And of course, not everyone wants to have their Instagram profile connected to a Twitter-like clone. So um, it's it's taken quite a while, but they finally announced and have made available the ability in your settings to go into and delete or deactivate your threads profile. So this will separate them. Previously, if you wanted to delete your Threads profile, you effectively deleted your Instagram profile as well, which is Ooh. obviously not desirable. And that, yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way because I've been uh, MIA on both. But it's true. Like, if people were really not about Threads or vice versa, um, they were really stuck in this position where they had to have both. Did was it? Were people really public about uh, or vocal about this kind of thing? Oh, very much so, yeah. Being stuck? Okay. Because the other interesting part is when you have an Instagram account, when they launched Threads, essentially anyone that activated their Threads account had the ability to automatically follow everybody that you're following yes. on Instagram. Yes, yes, and, right. But that also caused lots of problems too because sometimes you've been following somebody for like a long time and you don't even remember why you're following them. And all of a sudden on Threads, they're going to get a request to follow them and you're like, well, who is this person? And so it just got really kind of mucky and messy that way. And you get a lot of weird notifications from people you didn't even know were following you, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So it works both ways, I think, for cleaning up some of that mess if you really don't want to get into threads. It's not perfect yet, as we all know, but uh, at least they're making some strides to head in the right direction. Do you have any idea on how popular threads is still uh, holding up to be? Uh, I don't have any good numbers, um, but I think they they are definitely climbing up and getting more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent number I saw for its closest competitor was Blue Sky, which is made by um, uh, the previous founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and they're at about 2 million active users, daily users. I think Threads might be closer to the 100 million, but okay. I'm not 100% sure on that number, but it's fairly high. But I don't know if that's active or just 
accounts. Just people, exactly. Accounts. Yeah. Because that's what I, I, my impression was it was accounts back when I, I the last I heard, but that was you know, quite a while. It's smart to do something like that, right? Where you you drag Instagram and threads into the same boat, oh. and then obviously you end yeah. up with this many activations. Especially but, but right I think off a the lot top. of people use the different services for different reasons. Sure. You know, if you're a photographer, maybe you're using Instagram to follow photographers. You're not necessarily mm-hmm. going to want to chat with them on a Twitter clone. Mm-hmm. So that that's sort of the disconnect that I think a lot of people were trying to reconcile is like, well, why would I want to use threads when there's four other networks that I can do the same thing on? But I do yeah. like the built-in ability. That's assuming you're following the same people on all the platforms, which is right. probably not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. No, and but I'll tell you right off the bat, for those who didn't really realize, didn't, you know, just said, oh, well, I guess I got to do that or people got to follow or whatever people saying, oh, okay, when it started, boy, what a way to boost numbers if people just yeah. thought they bet they have to comply. Is it okay, Ramya, now? Yep, I, mean, yep, I know you're sick of AI and you don't no, necessarily no. need to talk about it. Very excited. You're all, okay, okay. So I guess it's all right, John, for us to move on to AI starting to outperform meteorologists. What's going on here? Well, you know, this kind of is not really that big of a surprise, but, mm-hmm. no. um, you know, a meteorologist has uh, training and skill sets in sort of interpreting the weather, the previous weather to sort of forecast where where the weather's going. And lately, there's been a number of, uh, let's say, high profile weather incidents around the world. And um, there's a uh, a service called GraphCast, which is using AI to sort of uh, predict the weather patterns. And apparently they've achieved over a 90% uh, accuracy rate. Uh, wow. and, and a number of the large, um, uh, there was a Hurricane Lee that hit uh, Long Island. Uh, and basically they predicted it 10 days before it happened, whereas the actual meteorologists were much slower to uh, connect the dots and and predict that it was going to happen. So mm. it's really interesting to see where this is going to go, because in a lot of ways, you know, the software, even pre-AI, was getting pretty good at sort of giving you forecasts. Yes. And the meteorologists were basically just parroting those forecasts from the software. Now the software is getting even better uh, because it's using intuition and other things that AI brings to the table uh, and also having the ability to look at pretty much all the different services at the same time um, to create these really um, very detailed and advanced forecasts. And you wonder about like the historical data too, because if they, if with weather, temperature, winds, and if... You know, if the AI can look at what's projected, what the winds are are projected to be, what in past cases, hurricanes or weather phenomena or weather issues have have how they've behaved and just do it just like that. That's pretty amazing when you think about because we're sitting here saying seven days out, you don't know what the weather's going to be like next Thursday, quit it. And yet a lot of time we get a really good idea now and and we, we less chance of making fun of our weather weather guys. Um you say 90% is what they say their uh, accuracy rate. I mean, John, you couldn't complain about that, whether it's a 10-day out, uh, you know, hurricane or just a forecast that, hey, we're having a picnic next Wednesday mm. and getting sure that you can believe in the high temperature. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that this is something that's going to be plugged into all the services. So just think of the little weather app on your phone. It's going to have this in the back end now, and it's going to be much more accurate. Um, we're already seeing a lot of things happening you know, on a local scale where a lot of um, yes. m- a lot more weather stations are popping up 
because they're 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 more affordable now and so you can actually have a neighborhood weather station instead of just relying on what the airport temperature is for example right and then you right. power that yes. all by ai it just goes crazy accurate uh-huh yeah well, exactly. it's funny when you ask something like uh the a lady hey when's the rain gonna start mm. yeah and i did this thinking it's just a bit of a joke it'll start in 10 minutes yeah sure it will and then sure enough you're hearing hey it's raining and, we're already... and, and again, it goes into that micro weather forecasting. Yeah. And we're getting used to the kind of like on demand, you know, is it raining now? Is it raining in an hour? Like what's happening in 30 minutes? Uh, um, expectation, like the standard yep. of these kind of things. So now with AI, it's more about the accuracy and the percentage, but also John... you would think it would be easier because yeah. it is in a certain sense. But when you talk about that micro area, Things seem to, mm -hmm. you know, you think, well, Localized. no, you can't tell me it's going to be an isolated shower in sure. 10 minutes. Oh, yes, you can. In a city as big as Toronto, yeah. And also, John, like we're seeing this kind of use of AI, the prediction, the patterns, the mechanics or whatever, and, and being able to deliver information based on all the information that it's gathering, right, like, and giving us, um, I guess, reports would be the right way to say it, is... It's happening in all different sectors too, right? Like whether something that you're bringing up now, but I'm hearing it a lot more in the medical field in in different um, disease prediction or understanding of things that are going on with the human body or, you know, other kind of like organized data that it would just sift through and then be able to tell you, okay, this is what's going to happen or this is what this means. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think the ability for it to look through all of the historical data at the same time yep. definitely gives it an advantage over a human because if i'm a human looking up whether it's a weather report or you know some medical condition in your family um it's only as good as how many things i look at mm. and how many data points do i have to sort of formulate that opinion whereas ai effectively has access to every data point exactly. and they can process it all instantly or way faster than a human can and see those patterns and see those trends that uh, that maybe a human doesn't that we literally mm -hmm. cannot yep. see, right? Because we In don't have flash. enough access or information or capacity to make those um, accurate predictions. It's quite interesting. Well, and, and so much of it, right? Because yeah. there's so much data to take in. AI can zoom, you know, and I say in a flash. I know it's not instant, but pretty close to. Yeah. Wow. In medicines, particularly, I'm very curious about how far we get and how quickly because of AI assistance this way. And how quickly we trust it. Yeah. And it speaking of trust, okay, this is the last one. <laughs> uh, the screenless, app-free, humane AI pen, that's what this is, that wants to replace iPhones is here. Tell us everything. Yeah, this is something that's been in stealth for, I think, six years, and they just made a big announcement this past week about it. And essentially what it is, the way I think of it, to, to make it uh, understandable, just imagine the communicator from Star Trek. You have a little pin okay. that you're yep. that's, that's over your heart, and essentially it doesn't have a screen. Uh, it has a speaker. It has cell uh, cellular connectivity. Um, it has a projector. And... Um, and it's and it's essentially like you know in a lot of ways it's a portable a lady so mm -hmm. uh, you tap it to talk to it and you can ask it questions and you have a number of ways of getting the feedback from it essentially it goes out to the internet does its thing uses AI and 
it will give you a response that it'll speak out loud. If you uh, can see, you hold your hand up and the little tiny projector that's inside it will actually project things onto your hand. So essentially getting rid of the screens altogether because you're basically being projected oh. the answer or the weather or incoming call, what have you. And this is meant to be passive. It's not meant to be always listening and always recording. You actually have to trigger it. So this is where they're trying to get around the, the idea behind having it uh, always listening, mm. and, you know, privacy and security, those types of things. Um, it's It also comes with a 24, and, and these are US prices. Uh, the device itself is $699 and it comes with a $24 a month uh, subscription fee that gives you unlimited data on T-Mobile's network in the U.S. It's unclear what service they're going to use in Canada and if it's even coming to Canada. Um, but they made quite a big um, splash with this across the internet because essentially this is, I think in a lot of ways, foretells the future of what our yep. interaction with these devices are going to be. Um, I really love the idea of getting rid of the screen and having this mm -hmm. sort of projection thing. Um, yeah. Again, I haven't tried it. I don't know what it's going to be like. And the videos that they've shown have been pretty compelling. Um, what does but... that uh, projection look like? Is it just text? Is it a box? Like, Do you mind describing it a bit? Yeah, it, it kind of looks like, you know, on uh, like a widget on your phone. So okay. it'll show you like the temperature, for example, and maybe with a little icon or it'll it'll give you captions for whatever it's saying uh, as a response to your question. So whether whatever you ask the A-Lady, it will it'll read it out loud or you can have it just passively showing it to you on your on your palm. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's got a really interesting um it feels like uh, if you've ever seen the movie, the, the reboot of Total Recall, there's a very similar interface that they use for a cell phone except that's actually under your skin. Right, this right. is projected onto your skin, but presumably right. this yeah. little tiny projector could project it onto a wall in front of you. Or, that's what you know, I would think. Piece, piece of paper or something uh, like that. Uh, uh, and would you, any idea of the quality because of our video world very quickly, John, in the sense of, I, I mean, obviously people aren't going to necessarily sit there and watch some video, but we do love our little videos from TikTok. Well, we and should. I mean, if this is replacing the iPhone, it better do everything that the iPhone's doing. That's what you would <laughs> hope and think. What do you think, John? I, I think it's too early to say. I don't know if this right. little device, um, the, the device itself is very small. So mm. it doesn't have a super robust projector inside. And yeah. the back of the device actually is a magnet. And then on the underside of your shirt or jacket or what have you, you connect oh. another magnet piece that actually is the battery. And so you can actually hot swap these little batteries to keep it going all day if this you need to. This is wild to and me. That's kind of neat, though. Uh, mm. The only, like, I mean, not only, but the first concern I have is if privacy, like private information is just going to be projected onto your hand or onto whatever surface around you. Uh, speaker means, you know, where does that go? I can see this thing being... Uh, a lot of accessibility uh, checkboxes being addressed, but what happens when, because you know, you talk to your A person at home and you don't take that around with you on the streets, so you can kind of have some privacy, I guess, or like only you hear what you're asking it and bank information or other things like that, personalized, customized information. But um, if it's projecting onto your hand, do you have the kind of privacy or does it even matter because our screens well, I, are around? I think you can actually Bluetooth to a headset. There you so, go. Right. So I would think so. And, and not project I, I wonder, at all. Uh, 
And I wonder if people, I would think so. I also, because you'd need to put it to something, otherwise it's projecting into the air to nothing. But quickly <laughs> also, I wonder if people will go for the pushing a button since we've been so used to screaming at whatever, whether pushing it's Siri, whether button. it's... No yeah, way. They, it's got to be fully hands-free. It's too tiny. John, excellent. Well, maybe that's an option, but I think yeah. that was the workaround for the privacy aspect is... Um, Me too. It only yeah. listens when you, when you press the button. Exactly. All right. Thank you very much. Lots to think about. Yes. Go into the weekend and uh, start checking out this pen. John Beeler joins us on Fridays for our app update, so he'll be back next week. So a tour company has banned the use of mobile phones and kicks you out of the tour if you use one to take those pictures and more. Bill Shackleton tells us more on The Buzz in two minutes. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.